This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. And coming up next at 10 past 1 on 2NURFM, we'll be talking travel. Sally Lucas joining me, Jane Klein. And today we're following in royal footsteps. Will and Kate have just been to Eastern Canada and we're going there too. On 2NURFM, it's 12 past 1 and that is time to talk travel. Now, we're not going to San Jose yet, Sally Lucas, but we are heading over towards the Americas. We are. We're heading to the Americas and to the northern part of the Americas, namely Canada. And I thought we'd just follow a little bit of Kate and Will's itinerary, seeing as that's been on the news, of course, in this last week. And they've been having a wonderful time and um, exploring, actually, some wonderful areas of eastern Canada, which we don't often talk about, the more the French side of Canada and also they went into some remote areas as well. But I thought we'd start with Quebec and um, it's perched on the banks of the St Lawrence River which of course is a major waterway or seaway into Canada and it's about 150 miles east of Montreal and it was founded by a French explorer Champlain in the early 17th century. Now it's the only North American city to have preserved its ramparts together with um, numerous bastions etc, um, gates and defensive works which still surround old Quebec. So it's the only city of this type on that North American continent. Um, and the upper town is built on a, on a cliff and uh, it has remained the religious and administrative centre of Quebec and has many churches and convents and monuments all within that area and a citadel and the famous Chateau Frontenac which people it, visit. It's all a bit older than anything that we know in yes. these European based cities. Well that's, that's right and of course you know being French as we know it's this French side of Canada where French is French and English jointly is, is spoken and ev- all the signs are in both languages as well. So, But apparently the lower town of course um, it has got lots of lovely districts there which you can wander through and you can wander meander through the old city on foot um, which is quite lovely. They've got an artist's alley and they've got um, Le Petit Champlain which is the oldest shopping street in North America as well. Um, so there's lots of things happening there. They have Canadian troops staging military ceremonies and wonderful gables and turrets and everything in some of these buildings. So it's a, a very different city to what you would expect to see in in Canada or North America. And Montreal, I think Montreal again is is different yet again because it's actually an island. Is it? Yes, in the St. Lawrence River. So, you know, if you fly into Montreal, it's only about 20 minutes and you'll be there from the airport. So it's quite different again. And it's quite, um, it's the largest uh, French speaking city outside Paris. There, so more French is spoken there than any other um, of the French Canadian cities as well, and it's the second largest, as I said, French speaking. But also, the popu- population of Montreal is about 1.6 million in its main area and a 3. Million in the metropolitan area, so it, considering it's just on an island, it is quite quite large. And as I said, it's situated on the St Lawrence River at the historically highest navigable point and it had been a, a strategic location there since before the arrival of the Europeans in Canada and it was a thriving Mohawk town in its old days called Hochelaga and what a name is it and um, the present day Montreal was first explored and, and visited by Jacques Cartier in 1535 and then a hundred years later in 1642, uh, this tiny town of Villa Marie was founded as a Sulpician mission by Paul Jomade. And, uh, it soon became the centre of a fur trade. Then after that, it was captured by the English in 1792. And, um, it remained until the 70s the most important city in Canada and was briefly capitalised.
capital of the province in the 1840s. So again, another interesting part of Canada. And then, of course, they, they, Caton, we're talking about, he did these cities and they also went to Ottawa. Well, Ottawa, of course, is your capital, as people probably know. So it's a large, quite a large um, region, Ottawa, and it covers an area of about oh, nearly 5,000 square kilometres. Um, and it's obviously the seat of Parliament. Lots of other Parliament buildings and historical structures and major institutions are located there. But also, you're still within minutes of things like golfing, fishing, hiking, skiing, many other outdoor adventures and, and wilderness activities. And you've got three rivers the Ottawa, the Rideau and the Gatineau and hundreds of lakes etc so ideal for boating and skating, lots of green spaces bicycle paths etc so, um, and it's also been ranked the sixth city in the world in terms of quality of life and um, that, that, rates, that rating is based on many factors including like low crime rates, environmental cleanliness public services, po- political stability and socio-economic conditions and it's also home to 12 national museums devoted to Canadian art, nature, science, technology, aviation, war, civilization, and more. And the Royal Canadian Mint's there, and there's a big market called the Bywood Market, which is constantly buzzing with people there, where there's lots of restaurants, shops, little pubs, you know, obviously markets as well, etc. So that's the three major cities that they went to, and of course they then went on to other areas of Canada. But let's listen to Sally Lucas as she talks travel, and we're in Canada, Eastern Canada. We certainly are, Jane, and we're at Prince Edward Island now. We've moved on to the Maritime Province, and it's the smallest in Canada in both land area and population. And it's been known by a few other names, Garden of the Gulf, because it's got beautiful pastoral scenery and lush agriculture cultural lands and it's also the birthplace of confederation um, referring to the Charlottetown conference in 1864 um, so that's really interesting and that that was when confederation occurred although Prince Edward Island didn't join the confederation itself until 1873 when it became the seventh Canadian province now according to about a 2009 estimate Prince Edward Island has about 141,000 residents and um, it's the 104th largest island in the world and Canada's 23rd largest island. And it was named for Prince Edward, the Duke of Kent and Strathern, who was um, survived or lived should I say between 1767 and 1820 and he was the fourth son of King George III and the father of Queen Victoria. And so a relative of Prince William. So there you go. And, of course, if anyone was watching that, it was quite a, a lovely stay they had there. They went to Charlottetown, of course, where he showed his skills with the Sea King helicopter doing this rare touch landing on water, which is only done apparently by the Canadian Air Force. It's only taught there. So, obviously, he had been taught that. Um, otherwise, I don't think they would have let him do it. And then they went to Summerside as well, which is where they, they did the dragon boat racing. And they, so they seemed to have a good time there. And the other thing that, of course, Charlottetown is known for is... Um, Anne of Green Gables. Ah, yes. The story of Anne of Green Gables. The home of Anne of Green Gables, should we say. Anyhow, so after that, their lovely little maritime province, they then went up into the northwest, the wild wilderness area of the northwest and that Yukon area, um, just beneath the Arctic Circle by only about 500 miles. And it's where, in this area, you can also view the Aurora Borealis, though they weren't there at that time of the year. That uh, has finished. I think it finishes by about April is the last. Because the days time. get so much longer. That's right. Yes, exactly. So it's um, Yellowknife was where they went, which is at the edge of the Arctic. And um, it's quite a small city and only has about 20,000 people. But apparently they're all extremely well off because it's been famous for gold 
specifically up until the 90s, and then they discovered diamonds. So now they have three diamond mines. It's considered the diamond capital of the world and about nine gold mines. So, as I said, it's not miles, sorry, about 512 kilometres south of the Arctic Circle. But from there, um, you can then go to... Um, Lake Blatchford, where they went on to as well. Um, and you can only fly in, fly out to there by, by seaplane. And this is where you really can view the beautiful lights of the Aurora Borealis because you've got no city lights around you whatsoever. And if you have a look at this Lake Blatchford Lodge, if anyone wants us to Google it and have a look, looks absolutely fantastic. And there's just so many other things you can do whilst you're there. And comments even on TripAdvisor, I was reading where some people went there and just everyone raves about this particular spot. And what there is to see and how pristine and how beautiful it is and how you can be out at midnight, you know, just looking at these wonderful lights in the sky and you can go ice sledding and all sorts of, you know, snow-based activities are there to do as well. And it looks like it's an absolutely fabulous um, part of the world. But Yellowknife, as I said, it was, for, getting back to that, it was first settled in 1935 after gold was found. And then um, it became uh, an area of quite economic activity in these Northwestern Territories. And it also became the capital of the Northwestern Territories in 1967. When you think it's only 20,000 people, you doesn't sound right, does it, for to be a capital of an area? But I guess it, it's wealth and what it has to offer as well there and it's situated actually on a lake as well called um, Slavey and um, the Indians were first settled there way back and the name Yellowknife came from the fact that they made knives out of copper so that's where the name Yellowknife originated from. So they actually visited some very interesting areas when you think about it. They've done the three cities of Montreal, Quebec and Ottawa. They've gone across to Prince Edward Island to experience a maritime province. Then they've gone way up in, into the northwest. And they had that's where they played a game of street hockey, if you may recall. But, of course, um, Kate with her heels high that looked about heels. six inches high, <laughs> she couldn't quite play hockey. She just threw the ball down so they could have a bit of a... <laughs> A tussle at the start. Mm. But it sounds like they. every time you saw them there, they looked like they were really loving and enjoying and, you know, with the people were as well and they were with nature and they had mainly good weather. There was a little bit of rain but not much. And that's another thing about Yellowknife. When you get into this northwest area, virtually no precipitation in this area. So it's a dry area that you can virtually go to all year round. But, of course, if you want to see the lights, you need to go at the, at the um, yeah, before, by the end of April from about, I think it's September through to April. Well, there's still some darkness. Absolutely. So maybe we should follow in royal footsteps and visit eastern Canada. Sounds great. Well, why not? Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on to NURFM.